Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice the Number is Your Movies and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. And we've got two films we're discussing today. We've got the 2018 film Sorry to Bother You and the 1997 film The Boxer. Corwin, are you ready to get started? Yes, sir. Um, I'm going to actually start with The Boxer um, because okay. I have far less to say about it. Um, I agree. Okay, good. <laughs> We're on the same page to begin then. Um, so the 1997 film, The Boxer, uh, written and directed by Jim Sheridan, Terry Gorge, sorry, Terry George also has a writing credit, stars Daniel Day-Lewis, Emily Watson, and Dara Donnelly, as well as other people. Um, this is the first film we've discussed that has three Golden Globe nominations, though no Oscar nominations. It was nominated at the Globes for Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Director Motion Picture for Jim Sheridan, and Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama for Daniel Lee Lewis. Um, it has uh, or it had an estimated budget, there we go, of um, oh, actually, I don't see there is no estimated budget here. I can tell you it's cumulative worldwide gross, though. Uh, $16.5 million. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say the movie cost less than that based on what they did. But who's to say? It um, did. Wikipedia who, says $4.7 million budget. All right. So that makes it a success. Successful enough as an IRA film can be. Um, and it's about uh, Danny Flynn, the Daniel Day-Lewis character, being released from a 14-year stint 14-year-long stint in prison uh, for basically being the fall man for an IRA uh, terrorist action of sorts and tries to get his life back together as a, uh, per, I don't know, as a community member, as an athlete, and as a lover. Um, Corwin, what did you think of this film? <sighs> I went into it thinking I was going to like it a lot. I mean, I've never seen it before. You know, it's not something that has been talked about in my presence. You know, no one I know other than you have seen this or talked about it. This is really the first time I've been hearing of it. Um, but I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is, a, you know, buy when I'm looking for a movie automatically. IRA and the Troubles. Not something I've ever really learned a lot about. Was all aboard learning about it. Um, and it's about boxing, which how can you not enjoy a boxing movie where Daniel Day-Lewis, of all people, beats the shit out of somebody. So I was sold. I was all in. Started. was like, all right. You know, this is a interesting tone with like the opening scene and the music that went with it. It was very like 90s techno funk uh, and it was very different from what I was seeing or what I was expecting. I was like, all right, slow start. Let's see if it picks up when we meet everybody. And then it was, okay, let's see if it picks up when, you know, this happens or that happens. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, all right, well, this ending is probably going to uh, not speed things up. Let's hope for a bang and the movie's over. So. Yeah, kind of a slow, you know, crawl of a movie that 
never i was just sitting there watching the whole time just expecting something big to happen something you know crazy and the you know climactic climatic points uh in the middle were kind of expected saw it coming from a mile and it just never did it for me oh man uh i'm gonna start off by agreeing with basically everything you just said I'm going to make this film, uh, or give two equivalencies, in my opinion, that, that this film falls under. One, this feels like the drama movie that is in the background of all other movies. It is uh, so boilerplate and mostly set by color palette and general tone that, uh, like, yeah, like if you looked at this movie for about five seconds, you go, oh, this is like a serious drama. There's no ambiguity here. It's very gray. Seems pretty sad. Um, everyone seems kind of angry. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and this is also a film that I would, because of that, describe as being Oscar bait. This feels like a film that is like throwing every trope of a drama against the wall. And the thing is, I don't think it does anything poorly. I just don't think it did anything especially well. Like, the acting in this film is fine. The cinematography in this film is fine. The score in this film is fine. The plot in this film is fine. Everything about it. Like, I was talking to Kel about it because, you know, I watched it with her. And the thing is, like, I really want to like this. And I think I do. But it's not giving me any reason to really like it. It's so odd. Like, I have almost no notes on it, because I have no real complaints. It mo I have one note that says it moves pretty slow, but it's just, it's, I, there's not a lot there. And what there is, they don't really do a lot with, and it ends up just feeling very surface level. Agree completely. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I expected the Daniel Day Lewis experience with this. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, it's a believable, you know, acting gig. That's really it. Like, you know, I didn't see what, like it never met expectations for what it was. Um, and yeah, like it really just was the perfect background movie, like a movie within a movie. Um, I, I gotta ask, why like why did he have a falling out with the IRA? Like, did was it because he like didn't kill himself in prison, didn't starve himself to death in prison, and everyone's mad that he didn't do that, even if he didn't like rat anybody out? I I don't know. <laughs> um, I I never assumed he had a problem with the IRA so much as that one guy. But at the same time, I kept kind of, my eyes kept glazing over at points. So I definitely missed some stuff through the brogue. Um, it's a shame. This isn't, this is, I'm not even sure it's the second best IRA film starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, it's, it, oh man. Um, <sighs> so my first and like, only other substantial note my only other note at all is basically just like 
watching the first half of the movie, all I had was this feels like a soccer match. Very slow pace, some small drama going back and forth. When things kick off, you know, it gets that much more exciting and, you know, it makes it mean that much more. Except I don't like soccer and I think soccer is boring to begin with. And it just, I was waiting for it to happen just the entire time. It was just full suspense, and like, then it just ended. Ugh. I'm disappointed. I'm not upset that I watched this. Like, I'm not angry in how they portrayed anything. It's just like, you had so much, you know, you, you had so much you could have done with Daniel Day Lewis in this role. And everything. It didn't feel like it needed to be him even a little bit. Like, this could have been literally... It's not an interesting part. Daniel Day-Lewis's part, it's not an interesting part. The guy's very monotone throughout the whole film. And I don't think that's a failing of Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I, in part, think it's impossible for that to be a failing of Daniel Day-Lewis. He's one of the greatest actors of our generation. But, like, the guy is sad because life is hard and he's angry because those ira guys sure are dicks uh (laughs) and he is conflicted about wanting to continue uh pursuing a relationship with what's her face um i forget emily watson Watson. yeah um she uh she really surprised me because i don't think i've seen a movie with her in it in the past you know, that came out in the last like 20 years. And I was like, holy shit, Emily Watson, who are you? Beautiful in this movie. Oh, yeah. Super fucking young. Very odd. Uh, Very I guess she had to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, Brian Cox is in this and he's wonderful, but like the. And, and like, if I describe the plot, it sounds like an interesting plot, you know, like. Daniel Day Lewis took took a, a a prison sentence for the IRA, but the guy that was uh, he took the fall for still has a lot of resentment towards him, and they have conflicts that are um, politically over to undertoned as well as romantically undertoned due to a love triangle situation. Daniel Day Lewis is a boxer trying to get off of his uh, get get up on his feet to uh, and, and reclaim his boxing career that got cut short when he was a. 19 like there's so many pieces of this that are that are really interesting and then it's just a movie Mm -hmm. it's not bad it's just not very good oh 100 i have another question did emily watson's like at first husband die in prison with like the other guys that starved or is he just like still in prison i don't remember like could have easily explained it to me, and I just—it was so forgettable. It's just already gone from my memory. Man, I, I don't even know. Again, couldn't couldn't even tell you. Uh, I kept like when I first was thinking about the score, I would give this. I was like, yeah, you know, that was that was pretty average. That was a three. You know, it's. Daniel Day-Lewis was good. Emily Watson was good. That was, you know, sure. That was fine. That's a three. And then I looked at all the other movies I gave a three to and was like, oh, it was not nearly as good as any of these. I'll give it a 2.5. And then I saw the movies that gave it a 2.5 to and it was like, it's not really as good as these either. So 
I gave it a two. I was disappointed. You know, it seems really bad, but the way we, you know, pick these movies and watch these movies, they are heavily favored towards being, you know, very good movies. So the ranking and the rating system has been skewed. Um, so yeah, I gave it a two. I was very disappointed. I think I'm going to copy you, honestly. And I, and I don't think you really need to issue yourself that much justification. Again, if someone came up to me on the street, which, you know, six feet apart, and, and said, Josh, mm-hmm. I need a recommendation. I need you to recommend to me a Daniel Day-Lewis IRA film. I wouldn't pick this one. Because you know what? Watch In the Name of the Father. Way better movie. Basically the same time period, political situation, obviously without a lot of the, the romance stuff, but like it's the same backdrop of, of um, like that, that bisection or dissection of, of, of that era and time period. And it's done so much more interestingly. This is just meh. So yeah, nothing two stars is very appropriate. If you Google... Daniel Day Lewis IRA. The boxer is the one, two, three, four, fifth link down. Oh, wow. Love it. Uh, what's the third film with the IRA? I can only think of two offhand, actually. I had thought, um, I, I couldn't remember if. My left foot took place in that era, and I know it's not, it's obviously not an IRA film, but I couldn't remember if it took place in that era of Ireland or not, and it did not. I checked. Uh, does it say when it took place because it came out in '89? Um, I closed the tab already and don't feel like finding it again. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, so let's just let's just move on. I don't think this film deserves too much more attention. The next one, however. Wow, one. yes. Yeah. You gave out uh, like a full on. It's okay. I will stop myself there. Uh, that brings us to the 2018 film. Sorry to bother you. Um, <laughs> IMDb has this listed as a comedy, fantasy, sci fi movie. Um, it is written and directed by Boots Riley, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine Fowler. Um, also that guy from the social network, um, it received no major awards, nominations, nor wins. It had an estimated budget of, oh, I scrolled right past it. 3.2 million. It grossed cumulative worldwide, 18.2 million, making it a success. Um, Oh, uh, uh, taglines. I didn't give you the tagline for the other one. Not that it matters. And I, oh, well, that's fun. I, I, actually, that's I, I can't even find one for this. So never mind then. I'll go fuck myself. There is, yeah, there's no tagline for this. All right, fuck it. Uh, it uh, Corwin, what'd you think? Um, also, just to go back, uh, when you said the guy from the social network, immediately I thought, Mark Zuckerberg was not in this movie. And I sat here thinking for a good 15 seconds before I landed on Army Hammer. Yeah, Army Hammer. That's his name. Yeah. Uh, love that guy. Um, man, 
this was a intriguing movie to go into blind. I basically knew this movie was about a black telemarketer using a white voice. Um, and that it was going to be a little weird. Boy, this was something. Um, I guess the best, you know, cliff note summary I could give for this is just as a political message, it gets the point across very well. Um, in any other period of time, I would say that shoving my like just shoving the message down my throat the way like you shove a dog's nose in like piss on the floor or like the garbage it ripped out of the garbage can um would just be ridiculous and over the top and you know i'd hate it but it's 2020 and with everything going on it's like man i might not enjoy this as much as the other one the other way or any other way uh but man this is probably what's needed. And that was the biggest redeemer for me as like, oh man, this isn't, I don't like the way they wrote this or the way they did this or God, they're really just not being sly about this in any capacity. But man, if it means people get the message, just 0.1% more, I'm all for it. So as a message, Sure, I'll give it, you know, a 51% positive review or whatever. As a movie, oh, it was not good. I mean, I think the editing and the visuals were done really well. Uh, the directing was, you know, it seemed pretty good. But the writing was not, was so bad. Oh, man, it was bad. I would like to take your opinion on the Holy Mountain and put it onto yeah. this film. Um, I knew it was going to happen. I hate this movie. Uh, um, it's, it's not, not, not a well-done film. It is bad in almost every single way imaginable. Um, and I'm going to touch on some big picture things and some very minute things. So, you know weigh each one as heavily as it affects you. I'm going to start with this point, though, just to just to continue, since I mentioned The Holy Mountain already. The Holy Mountain is a very strange movie. Very, very strange movie that has one continuous plotline as it moves through it and barrages you with a stream of metaphors, whether you internalize them and understand them or not, and continues moving the plot in a logical fashion, though it might sometimes be clouded by the enormous quantity of weirdness happening around the film. This movie, though, has no plot. There's no continual thread throughout this film that lends itself to a complete story in the fucking slightest. Things are brought up and abandoned so fucking fast that it doesn't matter where you end up at the end of the film has absolutely nothing to do with where the film started and it detracts so much from the many very good points that it brings up as you had said because 
in principle, I agree with all of the messaging in this film. In practicality, it's done so aggressively bad that it's frustrating. Ugh. I like the fact that you know there's this whitewashing of, of like what we what we believe to be a a successful persona outwardly. You know, what we perceive to be as a safe voice on the phone. You know, how we perceive, how we want to be sold things as white people by white people. Like, that's a good point. Does it matter the second the, the, the fucking horse dick dudes come out? Absolutely not. And honestly, after the initial point when he starts uh, becoming successful, after that conversation with Donald Glover... I'd argue that the point got made and then they did fucking nothing with it. They didn't do a single thing with it. After they made the point of you will be more successful if you act whiter in this certain aspects of your persona, they introduced the idea and then they might as well have gone, all right, next thing. And <laughs> because they didn't expand upon the idea. And that it's such an obvious error. It's like Ray with Star Wars. It's like, oh, train to become a Jedi. Cut. Okay, you're a Jedi. Go. It was just like, okay, you know, literally the scene after the talk with Donald Glover when he's like, no, be white. Be su pretend you're successful, whatever. Next scene is him doing it like perfectly. And it's like, okay. All right, conflict avoided. That was like what I thought the movie was about. Guess not. All right, move on. And that's the other thing is like the, the the film starts off with such a really funny and interesting concept with the whole white voice thing and also every time he called cold calls a person they pick up he like is transported into the environment that they are in where they clearly don't want to fucking deal with him. And that is also a really cool idea that also gets fucking abandoned immediately. Oh yeah. It's one of those things where it's like I was so focused on all of the not subtle political messages and points that they made throughout this. You know, first time seeing this movie, it's hard to avoid getting, you know, fucking run over with a truck that's just barreling towards you the whole time, you know, for two hours. So, like, that is essentially the only thing I could focus on during this movie and didn't really even get a chance to like notice that we just, you know, if you're on this ride, just drove past things that are talked about and completely forgotten because there's so much more just right in your face coming towards you. So at the, um, at the 32 minute mark, um, because I wrote it down, the, the, that's when they start the strike. And I wrote down topics brought up in that time. Um, and here's just a short list of, of things that they had mentioned. 32 minutes, approximately one-fourth-ish uh, of the film. Um, poverty, unions, capitalism, slavery. what it means to be black those are all topics that are brought up and then just just fucking thrown away like there's a, again previous to to the 32 minute mark where 
um, Cassius's other black friend who's name i forget uh look stand it that was that's the beginning of a very interesting conversation especially in the purview of this film that is already showing you it's here to talk about race and then in that scene they don't even fucking care it just moves away it, yeah. it I, I, how how poorly do you want this film to be written this this film is so clearly written by one guy and who didn't bother getting it revived didn't want to take notes didn't want to be held down by the studio exactly done you needed someone else to look at this and go tighten this shit the fuck up <laughs> like the f the first note that i have you know maybe five minutes in the movie who can remember is this a mockery about capitalism the left the right fighting between them, unions, criminal justice system, or just yes to all of the above. Cause I have no idea. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, it yeah. brings up it. Uh, first off, my first note is the everyone's going to die. Um, conversation that Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson have at the beginning is I mean, freshman English class level of conversation. It made me cringe. It's terrible. Um, it's so pathetic and faux edgy. I hate it. It's something you would legit see in like a early college course uh, where you have to submit a five minute monologue assignment to your video production professor. It's bad. It's really bad. Um, but like then after that, it's like he's living in. A garage. He uh, owes his uncle money, and like he's talking about capitalism and how money makes you sell out, and it's played for a joke. And then after that, Terry Crews, the uncle, has one other scene where he mentions he might be like basically selling his soul to a company, and then it's not even brought up again. And it's like poverty as a black person has a lot of different undertones and issues than general poverty as a as an overarching concept like talking about poverty as a black person is is also something that could be valuable and they decided not to i don't get it <laughs> this is it, such like, a bad movie i keep trying to think back to like specific times and it's like there's a hundred different scenes that I can even talk about and just because there's you're right. There is just so much going on here. It's hard to even keep track. So I'm going to try my best to give you a rundown to give you like, I gave the spark notes version of what the plot is for Holy mountain. We did that. It was pretty straightforward. So I'm going to try mm -hmm. to do the same for this. Uh, uh, down on down on his luck, Lakeith Stanfield um, needs a new job, applies for a job, gets a job, uh, has to alter his persona to fit that job, ends up becoming successful, ends up selling out, whatever that means, um, goes to a house party at his boss's house, his, his boss seven layers up, but like still his boss. Um, finds out about genetic modification of the workforce um, 
and then becomes a genetically modified person and then it ended. Yeah. Um, right? That's, yeah. That's, that's the movie. <sighs> now, doesn't that make a whole lot of sense right there? <laughs> and that's not even talking about like the the stupid art that his girlfriend's doing, which again makes me like they call her a performance artist and then everything's scripted and everyone's in on it. And the thing is, man, if everyone's in on it, it's not performance art. It's a show. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a very basic fundamental difference. If you're not Andy Kaufman, Andy Kaufman didn't, didn't, fucking sing the mickey mouse theme song on the opening episode of saturday night live with everybody in the audience understanding that it was a joke and not just some wackadoo singing only the choruses from the mickey mouse theme song the whole point of performance art is that you are forcing an expression that you're that the people you who to whom you are performing for don't understand they're an audience but everyone that went to her shows knew they were the audience because there was hours like it completely stripped no. away the an anarchistic concept of performance art at such a fundamental level that it shows that you don't even fucking know what you're talking about. And to for you to take that fundamental misunderstanding of an art form and put it in a movie like you know what it is, is embarrassing. It was... Yeah. I mean, I, I watched this with Quinn and like during that whole performance art section she's like what why is this what is going on like I, I don't get what they're saying here which was you know a first for this movie and it's like just don't don't think about it like it's not it clearly is not important enough to this to mean anything who cares yeah um, yeah there was like there's as you can tell there's many things about this film I really really hate which again is such a shame because I agree with so many of the core ideals that this film propagates, yeah. but it's uh. and just just to play devil's advocate, I you know as much as I agree with you that like as a whole package, as a total film, this isn't that good. Um, I will say a lot, a lot of the parts that make up this film are good. The short snippets that we do get at a time are good. You know, the messages are good. I enjoyed certain things. I had, you know, things that I connected with and laughed at and was like, yes, this is great. But just wrap it up in a neater package next time, please. Yeah, and, and and that's what I'm that's what I was saying earlier about like they needed a studio exec to rein this in. Because if it, it there were, there's no studio exec that could have reigned in The Room by Tommy Wiseau. That movie was going to be bad, no matter how many drafts that script had. There's a good movie in this. Boots Riley shows a lot of creativity with his visual ideas, with the types of shots he wanted to get, with the politics he wanted to try to portray. Like, there's a lot of good that's in this. It's just clearly the work of a man who's never written a movie before in his entire life and decided, I'm going to, all by myself, write a feature.
feature-length film, and <laughs> and it, it was this. Yeah, that's pretty good total summary of this. You know, I'm I'm gonna mention some things I liked. Go right ahead. Um, straight up, just the accuracy to like this is the country we live in in reality right now. Maybe not the whole sex dungeon with horses turning them into people and whatnot, but you know the rest of it, like the stuff grounded in reality, isn't fact reality. Um, man, the commentary it had very specific part. Great scene. Oh my god, that was. Oh, right. Because, like, uh, we, especially you and I, as as people who mostly partake the in the white fans. community, we we we've seen these these rap fans. Oh, yeah. oh god! Uh, all right, that one's definitely my favorite. But moving on, uh, you know, him worshiping capitalists like gods. Yeah, that's some bullshit. You know him being a leader of this unionization movement. And the second he's taken care of, it's like, yo, fuck y'all. I got mine. Get the fuck out of my way. And just abandoning all beliefs, all, all of your ideologies just out the window. And that happens all the time. Um, you know, trying to get celebrities and athletes aboard your cause, and it does nothing because guess what? It doesn't actually ever change anything. Um, it looks like it would, but it doesn't. Um, I do think the editing and the camera work in this do add a lot to the tone of the movie and what it's trying to do. Um, and just the overall feel of watching it. And I, I definitely did enjoy that. And I'll leave it at that. I can acknowledge those things. I I also want to raise up a point, and I because we we, had, we still have to discuss the the final thirty minutes of, of the movie, which is oh, by far the strangest part. Uh, if, if you haven't seen the film before and you want to watch it, I mean, at this point, it's already spoiled. So, so fuck it if you don't. Um, so one of one of my other problems with when you introduce the 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 horse dudes is that becomes what people are talking about with the film. And so when you when you raise up all the interesting points that this film does and then you do that with the end, it, what was the point? Like I forgot. I I've only seen this film one other time around right around when it came out, so probably about 2 years ago. Um, I completely forgot that like the lifetime contracts thing was a thing, and that's another really interesting uh, idea for to to have in a film. This idea of like basically you know selling yourself into slavery. It, it really is what it is what it is. Um, fascinating idea, mm -hmm. but the thing is like all of those ideas, all those concepts, all those really juicy bits of this film get completely wiped off of everyone's uh, uh, memory 
The second you show gigantic horse dick human beings. That's the movie now. And the thing about that part of the movie is that not only is it bonkers, it was super unnecessary. It didn't add anything at all. Yeah. I, uh, it, it, I don't even truly think I get why it's there. Like what, what it's supposed to be symbolizing. I don't know what it adds. You know, if it is something about capitalists and just the ridiculous lengths they go to take advantage of people or not giving a shit about like safety and ethics of it, whatever. Sure. But all that was touched on. And like I said, grounded in reality, touched on all those things. What does this add to the message of your film? Right. And and that's, that's exactly what I was getting at because it's like, you know, the selling yourself, like like signing up for a lifetime contract, and again, essentially selling yourself into slavery. You like you get that people sign up for you know fifty thousand dollar a year, thirty five thousand dollar a year salary jobs, dead end jobs they're never going to get out of. And for a lot of people who enter into those spheres, it feels like you're you're you've signed your life away because it's not so much money that you can save up enough that you can leave your job and do whatever the fuck you want until you find a new one. And and it's not. And it, it's not so so little that you're living in absolute destitution. You, you welcome to the middle ground, maybe welcome to middle class. Um, and and the idea that c- c- capitalists don't view people as people, which I think is the closest uh, one that I've come to uh, that I will accept, I think also gets wrapped into the whole. Hey, we view. Um, uh, we're gonna let people sound themselves into slavery. Like it's it's right there. The whole horse thing. I get it's it's there's a workhorse of society thing. Like it feels like it's like nine different things, and none of them really mattered enough for you to put awful CGI into this film. Because that's the other thing. Those horses look terrible. They did not look good. They were very off-putting. Um, again, watch this with a lady friend immediately saw just massive horse dong just in that entanglement of what honestly felt like a pure horror movie. Um, it was just like, yeah, that's fucking scarring both of us. That's going to make things weird in the future. Ah, uh, I, I also don't get why they were like, in the bathroom, I don't. I, none of it made any. That was strictly for convenience. The entire discovery of them. Um, I also don't understand why Lakeith Stanfield got tricked into taking the stuff and, like, and then turning into one at the end. Like that didn't add anything to the movie either. Because then it, like, you just let loose. Not just the secret that there are horse people. Um, being invented in some guy's personal house again why um but also you let them loose onto the streets and then you decided to end the movie instead of grappling with that like and like that 
right there is what I'm talking about with this movie. It brings up an idea, and then once it brought it up, it goes, and now we're going to the next thing. And it's none of it ever gets satisfaction. None of it ever gets fleshed out to a point where you go, yes, I have fully digested and understood why this was in the film. Don't you think this should have been like a limited series? That would have made it so much easier to just stomach all of these different things. I think I think I think it needed to be one of three things. I think it needed to either be a limited series. Uh, that's option one. Option two, a short film, or option three, um, brought to a studio exec who could have been like, "You got a really good bone script here, but now you've got to actually try to make make it make sense." Um, any any of those three things would have been fine because this film as a short film also would have been a cool idea because then you could have taken out so much um, of the bullshit you didn't need like the fact that his girlfriend started leaving him for a different guy didn't fucking matter honestly the fact he had a girlfriend didn't fucking matter um, ah, god I hate this movie <laughs> I don't think I have anything else constructive. Do you have any other notes? Uh, no, not really. Um, I I have two other notes. I have another uh, forty-five minutes in. That's still not clear what this movie is about. Selling his soul is the obvious answer, but there's so much. I also wrote down. Apparently, uh, this is a reductionist plot. Life is more than desk jobs versus art quote unquote being real um <clears throat> oh yeah because it, it made it sound like just because he got a desk job he was a uh, you know become a part of the system which is true within the confines of this film but also like a lot of like this film was clearly written by an artist <laughs> because they viewed the the viewpoint is that like every desk job essentially is selling your soul whereas only being a part of the art scene is rewarding whereas that doesn't make any sense and is actually a pretty shit way to present your argument yeah uh nothing is that black and white and, and again I, not that I, it needed to be go ahead no i was gonna say and it also just didn't it just didn't need to be not at all um you know, I I feel like this was a very black and white film where it's capitalism and you know art and freedom and you know expressionism and listen, I hate capitalism as much as the next guy. I'm you know I don't know who's listening in the state of our country, so I'm not going to state my own personal beliefs right now. Are you Antifa? For that, uh, yes, I am one of the leaders of Antifa. Um. You know, but Daniel Day Lewis is going to play me in a movie once I learn how to box in like twenty years. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where I was going. Just like God, it doesn't have to be that polar. Yeah, especially when your representation of what art is is a poor representation of that medium. <laughs> like you. You touted the performance art scene as being the best and then didn't represent it correctly. So it's like, 
fuck you twice. Um, man. Oh God. Um, yeah, yeah. It looks pretty. It it sure did. Give me your uh, final thoughts here. Oh man, as a movie, not great. As a political message, probably what's needed, even if it's not the most well done or subtle one. Um, I do want people to watch this movie uh, because I want them to see these very straightforward, almost in-your-face commentaries on the different aspects of the world we live in and why it's so ridiculous that we allow it to continue to operate this way. Um, oh, and it looks pretty. So I'm going to give it a little bit of a boost and give it a three. Wow. All right. Um, if we both give it low scores. Nobody's going to watch it and nobody's going to see massive horse dong. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of massive horse dong in this. Um, it's 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 not a good movie. It's it's a very bad movie. It's an aggressively bad movie. And if you think this is a good movie, I think you are personally are an idiot um, because it's not a good movie. It makes a lot of good points. I agree with the politics of the film, but it's not it's not good. And if you find this to be encapsulating um, on a metaphorical level, you're a fucking idiot. And I, I don't think you ever received an education in your entire life. Um, I think you dropped out of the eighth grade. This is a bad movie. <laughs> um, I give it one star. It's really fucking bad. Um, it, 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 it feels like Boots Riley woke up um, once, you know, woke up in the morning um, and would write a page of it, one page at a time, and he wouldn't look at the previous pages, and he would only write one page every like other week because no five minutes of this film truly relates to any following five minutes of this film. I disagree. It's bad. I think he woke up every morning, did about six lines of, of cocaine or, you know, smoked some meth, <laughs> then wrote a single page and the rest probably is extremely similar. Yeah, there, 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 there sure is that too. <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah, th th this film is an acid trip um, combined with a PCP trip combined with reading like your first book on why capitalism is bad and not fully understanding. I really want. <laughs> <laughs> I really want like Jordan Peele to remake this movie. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. Right? Like that would be like you would lose out on half the plot points, which is totally okay by me, and I think it would just be a significantly better done film with similar amounts of passion. Wow, I want that movie now. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Like people really really don't give Get Out the respect it deserves with the level of metaphor it has. Like, the main character whose name escapes me, like, saved his own life while strapped to the chair by picking cotton. That's so fucking clever. I fucking love Get Out. Ugh. Um, yeah, I want that I movie had, now. I had it spoiled for me, 
and have never really been able to get into it because I know how it ends. And it's like, I, I don't know what's going on, but I know these people are bad and I know how this ends and I, I just don't want to watch now. Get out. Yeah. It's by far the movie, you know, of all the movies that have been spoiled for me to some degree, you know, the big ones or little ones, whatever. This is by far been the worst. What's um what are some other films that got spoiled for you? Um I had a Star Wars I had the first Star Wars sequel spoiled for me. Oh, I had that spoiled too, Solo. yeah. Yeah. It was like Oh, sure. Okay. I hate this so much, but like we'll see. And it was Star Wars, so I was able to get through it and whatever. It was a good moment. Get out. It's just like, well, I'm new to all this. I don't know any of the background. I want to dive into it. I can tell that it's already trying to give me some twists and turns and all that. And it's just like, I know where we're heading. Just, I can't. I can't do it. And it eats at me because of how much people love that movie. It's a durable ride, even if you know what's going to happen. I got I to gotta say. Um, Lil Rel Howery is also phenomenal in it. Yeah, but like um, you, you get to look back and like remember, like, oh, that was so great. Like, oh, now I get to notice all those little details. And this is just like, I still don't see the details, but I also miss out on like the major emotional attachment to it. Oh, stop finding reasons not to watch it. Uh, I've tried watching it. You know, I just can't, man. I, I can't. So yeah. I got in. I got into movies too young to really have anything spoiled for me. Um, but I do remember <laughs> getting my dad really mad once. Um, I was like, I don't know, 12, somewhere between 12 and 14. And he wanted to show me the sixth sense. And he was like, Oh, you're not, you're never good. Cause it, like me and him would watch like detective shows when I was younger and be like, you know, competition for us to guess who did it first. And I'd always win. Um, and so he was like, you're never going to guess the ending. And um, it's a crazy twist. And then the movie starts off with Bruce Willis getting shot. And I looked at him and said, oh, so he's dead the whole movie. And he was furious. Oh, that's fantastic. I could totally picture that, too. Yeah. I, and I mean, like, because that first fucking scene, man, five minutes in. And that's not meant for me to, like, jerk my own chain. But seeing my dad that mad was phenomenal. He watched the... And then we watched the rest of the movie. And he watched the rest of the movie fucking tight. (laughs) Uh. All right, Josh. What's your movie for this week? Oh, that's right. Well, here, let me pick a number for you. Do you have it up? I, I do. I expanded the list this week. So you now have the option of picking one through 26. Six. Six. La Haine. Oh, that sounds familiar. Um, it's the scene. Uh, I don't want to go into anything because I also haven't seen it, and I forget the name of the main actor. Black and white French film where oh, I've seen this. Is pointing yeah. like finger guns at himself. Yeah. This is a good movie. I'm excited. I haven't watched this in a while. I have never seen it. You will enjoy it. Um, 
I am going to pick um, a film that I have seen, but I have not seen in a long time, and I think you will be uh, you will enjoy it. 2009's Big Fan. Big Fan. Okay. I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, yeah, I don't th- it it's a name that sounds familiar for some reason, but I really don't think I've seen it. I uh, well, buckle up, buddy. Big fan. Oh man, I googled big fan, and <laughs> it's advertisements for fans. <laughs> oh boy, capitalism at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. Is this oh. like YouTube IKEA how-to video that's like two hours long? Yes, yes. It's it's actually uh, Swedish fan assembly instructions set to a Diplo beat. Ooh. Yeah. You've had my attention, but now you have my curiosity. <laughs> uh, can't wait, buddy. Can't wait. Um... Oh, uh, baseball's back. Uh, so uh, just, just to reiterate, the, the films are La Haine, or La Haine, La Haine, the French film from 95 and 2009's Big Fan. Watch them before next Thursday's podcast. Uh, baseball has returned. I'm currently watching the Yankees, but blast the Orioles 7-1. to um, Let's only hope the score gets higher by the time you hear this. Um, Joe Kelly got... An eight-game suspension. We are dying to talk about it, but we decided to wait until Monday's episode to talk about it. Um, It's going to be fun. There's the actual news to talk about. There's actual stats to talk about. Uh, And by the time next uh, Monday's podcast rolls around, basketball will have its first games. Um, The Rangers are playing an exhibition game against the Islanders right now. Whether it's for the betterment of society or the detriment, sports is back. Yes. Um, fuck the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, fuck Joe Kelly. Or no, nah. free Joe nah. Kelly. You'll find out my opinion next week. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. Um, Stay tuned and- in like five days. <laughs> Don't touch that dial. Uh, 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 any final thoughts before we leave? I do not. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.